Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you want to find out more about our ministry, you can go to www.lifeportoutintl.org. You are listening right now. We are streaming through the Charisma Podcast Network. You could also tap into our show. We have a new show every Monday and Thursday here on the Charisma Network, um, as well as you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to on YouTube as well. And so I really want to honor the time of my guest today. I'm very honored to have him on the show. And like I always do, I like to bring out a scripture before we dive in. And so I'm going to read um, a section of Luke here, chapter 14, verse 11, because we're going to be talking about the grace of God, the favor of God, but really the heart of it. What we're going to be diving into is humility today. And so the scripture goes like this. This is Jesus um, sharing a parable, and then he ends it like this. It's Luke 14, 11. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility really is a pathway to promotion. The Lord pours out his favor and his grace upon the humble of heart. And so we're going to be diving into that today. My guest is Andrew Womack, and his life was forever changed the moment he encountered the supernatural love of God, just like mine. That is so good. Praise God. As a renowned Bible teacher and author, he has made it his mission to change the way the world sees God. And he definitely does that. Andrew's vision is to go as far and deep with the gospel as possible. His message goes far through his Gospel Truth television program, which is available to nearly half the world's population. It's a massive show. It goes out all over the world. The message goes deep through discipleship at his Karis Bible College headquartered in Colorado, in Woodland Park, Colorado. It was founded in 1994 in Karis' campuses across the United States and around the globe. And so Andrew has a, a large, extensive library of teaching materials and print, audio, videos, written tons of books. You can find all that at awmi.net. I have been tremendously impacted by the ministry of Andrew Womack. And so thank you so much, Andrew, for joining me today. It's an honor. Well, thank you, Michael. It's an honor for me to be on your program with you. <laughs> thank you so much. And so here in your bio, it says that your life was changed the moment you encountered the supernatural love of God in March of 1968. I'd love to just hear a little bit about that before we dive in today. I love hearing people's encounter stories. Well, I got born again in, uh, let's see, that would have been 58. So I got born again when I was eight years old. But when I was 18, uh, I had become a religious Pharisee without realizing it. Oh, and I, I just thought that God would move in my life based on my goodness and performance. And so sure. I had become uh, quite a religious snob, I guess you'd call it. And we were in a prayer meeting, and it's a long story, but the Lord just showed up and in a moment's time revealed to me what a hypocrite I was and that everything I was doing for was for the praise of people. It was all about me. It wasn't because I loved God or loved people. I was seeking to get people's approval and his approval. And when I saw it, I repented, and I mean, for probably an hour and a half, I just turned myself wow. inside out and repented of everything. And I hadn't uh, gone out and committed the big sins that people talked about, but Jesus said that if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. If sure. you hate in your heart, you've murdered. And so even though I hadn't done the physical actions, I started confessing <laughs> You know, times that I'd lusted my sure. anger at people, yeah. what I thought about people. I was naming names. And this <laughs> was in front of the pastor, the leaders of our church, all of my friends. <laughs> so whatever reputation I had, I ruined it. Yeah. But I just 
humbled myself. Sure. And um, I didn't know how God would respond. So after about an hour and a half, I just said everything I had to say. And I, I was just laying there waiting to see what God's response was. And I mean, the supernatural, tangible love of God just came on me. And for about four and a half months, I was just caught up in the love of God. And wow. it just radically changed my life. Never been wow. the same. Wow. Well, I got a little bit of a different story where I was, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll in high school. And I wanted nothing to do with God. My parents told me all about the Lord. And um, I came to a breaking point where sin wasn't making me happy anymore. I was just getting more and more broken. And I went in my room and I cried out to God, if you're real, like people say you are, I need you. And it was, it was a real cry. It was an authentic cry. And um, I experienced a supernatural love of God, the presence of the Lord touched my heart. Mm -hmm. I felt his love and acceptance. And you know what? I knew God loved me. I really encountered his love, but I didn't know he liked me and I didn't know he took pleasure over my life. And I felt like I needed to perform my way into his blessings and into his favor. And so I had about a three-year period of time where God really broke down religious mindsets in me and set me free by his grace and and in his love and really stopped thinking with lack and started thinking with, you know, you know about fullness and everything that he's given me and get, got a real good scriptural grounding. And so I know that you're huge on that. You've written so many books about grace and fullness and our authority and everything that is ours in Christ, getting free from performance and all of that. And in your new book, More Grace, More Favor, that was just released, you know, you talk about being grafted into God's kingdom of grace and how the kingdom of God operates so differently than this world's kingdom and system. I would love for you to tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, the scripture that you started with out of Luke there, if you exalt yourself, you'll be debased. But if you debase yourself, God will exalt you. And another scripture that I kind of base that book on is James chapter four, verse six, where it talks about, you know, being adulterers and adulteresses through your friendship with the world Mm. But then it says, but he giveth more grace. So yeah. if you can get more grace, you can have less grace. Mm -hmm. So there's a saving grace. Anytime a person gets born again, it's by the grace of God. You're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2.8. But you can get more grace. And it goes on to say in that verse that the way you do it is that uh, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, then he will lift you up. So the way that you get more grace is to humble yourself. Mm. And Michael, there needs to be some explanation because people think of humility as weakness or being beat down, low self-esteem. And actually, that's just the opposite. A person with low self-esteem is a person who is totally focused on themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I believe that what humility is at its core is not low self-esteem or thinking you're better than everybody else. It's just not even being focused on yourself. Sure. Or you could say it this way, that, that pride in its simplest form is self-centeredness. Mm -hmm. If you take the letters P-R-I-D-E, I is the center of that. And that's really what pride is all about. And you can, you can be prideful thinking you're better than everybody else. But if you are a timid, shy person, you are a totally self-centered person. You're constantly feeling inferior and worrying about what people are going to say about you, and that's pride. Yeah. So in order to experience more of the grace of God, we've got to humble ourselves, which doesn't mean be beat down, weak. It just means that you are God-centered. You're other people-centered. Not It's not about yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And if God wants to abase you, well, then you'll accept it. But if he wants to exalt you, you'll accept it. Like, for instance, Moses, he wrote in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, that he was the meekest man on the face of the <laughs> earth. That's right. And he wrote that. Mm-hmm. Now, see, most people today would think that if you were truly humble, that you would never know it. You would never admit it. But Moses wrote, I am the meekest person on the face of the earth. And that's because he was inspired by God to write it. And if he hadn't have done it, worried about what people thought about him, that would have been pride. Oh, absolutely. So a lot of people just don't understand what humility is. But humility can be defined as you're just God-centered instead of self-centered. It means that you are God-dependent instead mm. of depending upon yourself. You you know, like... Um, uh, Solomon, when the Lord appeared unto him in the dream and said, I'll give you anything that you want, just ask. And he says, you've made me ruler over this great people. And I'm like a child. I don't know how to go out or to come in on my own. What that is, is humility. And yeah. he wasn't confessing weakness. He was the strongest man in the whole nation. But he was just uh, expressing a dependency upon God, that I need you to to be able to rule. And that's what humility is. And when you do that, God gives you more grace. Oh, absolutely. And even just thinking of the story of King David and Goliath, where Israel was shrinking back in fear, just thinking about their own abilities to be able to conquer the giants. And then this young King David comes, not a king at the time, but young David comes and he starts saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, you know, defying the armies of the living God? And everyone thought that he was so prideful. But really, you know, his brothers were like, how, how lofty are you? How prideful are you? But really, King David was operating humility. He knew that his God was greater. He, he knew he couldn't do it in his own power and abilities, but he, he knew that his God was greater than anything that Goliath or the giants could bring, you know, to bring against them, you know? And so... Absolutely. That's a great example of humility. And yet some people would look at that as pride, but it wasn't, he wasn't boasting in himself. He was boasting in God. Absolutely. And you've been in ministry. How many years now have you been in ministry, Andrew? 52 years. 52 years. That's that's amazing. I'm sure you've seen a lot of things like, you know, for example, the world system being different than than God's kingdom and, and, and the heavenly system is that the world says, hey, if you're going to make it, you know, if you're going to be successful, then you need to jockey for position. You need to push doors down. You need to shake the right hands. You need to have millions of followers on social media. And this is, you know, X, Y, Z. This is how you do it. When God's system is just humble yourself before me, obey me, take step by step with me and trust that I will exalt you at the proper time. And your book talks a lot about that, about self-promotion and even within ministry, how we try to make things happen for God when that's the opposite of how the Lord wants us to function. I'd love to hear about that. That's true. The the way up in God's system is down. The (laughs) higher you exalt yourself, the less grace you're going to have. But the more you humble yourself, which again, isn't talking about being weak or defeated, but the more you make yourself dependent upon God and you put his kingdom ahead of your kingdom, then the more grace you experience. You know, my dad, he he died when I was 12 years old, but I remember that he used to say all the time, he that tooteth not his own horn, the same shall not be tooted. (laughs) I thought that was a scripture until I got turned on to the Lord and found (laughs) out that I guess he just made that up. But that really does describe the way that most people feel. They feel that if I don't promote myself, if I don't jockey for this position, if I don't stab somebody else in the back to get where I want to go, then I won't make it. And yet, Michael, it really is just the opposite. And my life 
is a testimony to that because, you know, I'm a hick from Texas. I have people, I have somebody just in the last hour make fun of my voice. <laughs> uh, if I was God, I wouldn't have picked me. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And yet, you know what? I have just put God and his kingdom first. And because of it, God has blessed me yeah. and enabled yeah. me to reach people all over the world. We're holding a Healing is Here conference now. And uh, we just got through with our morning sessions. And uh, we had three people come up and testify that have been miraculously healed of multiple sclerosis, asthma, allergies, all kinds of things. And uh, God has used me to change these people's lives. And I have not promoted myself at all. Mm -hmm. And God has done it. And God has given me the privilege of doing this. And so for anybody listening, it's the same thing for them. I know it go, it's counterintuitive. And we're taught by example that, no, we've got to promote ourselves, And every time we get a chance, we've got to uh, exalt ourselves. But it's really just the opposite. If you want God to promote you, you need to humble yourself. Just shut yourself up with God and get to where <laughs> you're God-focused and not yeah. focused on yourself. And then God will promote you. Yeah, I listened to a portion of your message even this morning live on Facebook talking about the importance of God's word. You you share in your book, you know, that it's our choice as believers that we could yield to God and his ways or we could live by the system of the world. And you emphasize in your teachings, which I love more than anything else, is the importance of being grounded in God's word. And um, that is that's that's really how we stay humble being and being being, uh, you know, grounded in God's word more than anything else. Is that right? That's true. When I read the Word, like I've just been studying, I studied this last week, uh, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and I read through all of those. And you read these testimonies about David, about Saul, and all of these different kings, and the way the the way that they started out so pure, and yet without exception, if they fell, it was because they took their eyes off of Jesus, because they began to start reading their own press releases. They got <laughs> caught up in themselves. And it even says that, uh, like, Asa was lifted up in pride. And and that's when he went in and, and blew everything. Same thing happened with Uzziah. And it just happens over and over. So when I study the scriptures, if your heart is open and if you're asking God for direction, you can learn by these people's mistakes. But yeah. if you if you aren't in the Word of God, our world system today is built on nothing but pride, arrogance, promotion of self, exalting their opinion above God's opinion. And if you aren't in the Word, you're going to be influenced by something. And this world system will influence you to just uh, it all being about you. Yep. And you need this counterbalance of the word. We need to be in the word, studying it. And if you'll open up your heart, God will keep you humble through the word of God. Oh, absolutely. And you share a um, character in the Bible in, in your in your new book. You talk about Job, which a lot of people kind of stray away from the book of Job, but it was such a prime example of repentance and humility. You know about Job's friends sharing their opinions and Job being influenced and kind of Job's heart being revealed in the process and then how God really spoke to him and kind of recentered him and got him back to a place of where he needed to be. I'd, I'd love, you know, I, I really appreciate that you broke that down and kind of used it as an example. I'd love to hear a little bit about that in regards to humility. Well, Job was a very godly man. Matter of fact, the Lord said in the first chapter of Job that he was 
the greatest man in all of the East, and God had prospered him. And his three friends came, and basically they were saying that this doesn't happen. The things that happen to you don't happen to just normal people. It's because you're a great sinner some way or another. And Job took offense at that, and he says, if I'm a great sinner, then point out what my sin is. And they said, well, we can't tell what it is, but these things don't happen. You've caused this somehow or another. And Job, in an effort to defend himself, and he was correct that it wasn't because of his sin that it happened, but he got into pride and promoting himself. And he even said, I would that God was here like a man, that he wouldn't appear in his majesty because that would overwhelm me. But if he could be like a man, and if he was here, I would ask him and say, you are unfaithful. You are unjust mm. doing to me what you've done. Yeah. And he, he promoted himself at God's expense. And then God showed up. And God never did really explain himself, but he just basically said, who are you to question me? Were you there when I created the earth? And he starts talking about these animals. And finally, in the 42nd chapter, Job, he says, I've humbled myself. He says, I've spoken things I didn't understand, but now that I've seen you, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. And he says, I put my hand on my mouth and I'm not going to talk anymore. (laughs) And because he humbled himself, God gave him more grace. And he wound up with twice as many children, twice as much uh, materials. And people don't often tell that part. They'll talk about what Job lost, but they don't tell the end of the story that when he humbled himself, God gave him double everything that he had lost. Oh, absolutely. And at that point, he encountered this amazing God and his heart was in such a place of humility. He was able to receive these things probably with open hands, just grateful, you know, not not thinking that he earned it, he deserved it, but grateful that God would come back around and bless him double than what he had, you know, originally. It does something to, you know, to a man's heart for sure. And you talk about in your book, you know, this is something in the world and in the church, we talk about success and there's books about success and how to, you know, the, you know, the five steps and the keys of leadership and all these different things that take place. And, you know, Solomon was very, very successful. And you're reading the book of Ecclesiastes that he had everything. He had the wisdom, he had the riches, he had the, he had the women, he had the, you know, the, the house and the, you know, he's the richest man in the world. But then at the end of the day, it was vanity of vanities. And at the end of his of the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, you know, at the end of the day, it's about fearing God and obeying his commandments. That's that's what Solomon came down to. And so like you, you define true success in your book. You have a whole chapter on it. You know, like there's people seeking success. What would you say to godly believers who want to live for the Lord, but there's just such a pull of the world on them? How can we divine success? Well, success is not the abundance of things that you possess. That's what the Lord said in Luke chapter 12. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Success can't be measured in money, houses, cars, fame, influence, any of those things. I believe that success is knowing God Mm. and having a relationship with God. And if that is your goal, if that's what you are really seeking after, Then it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added unto you. And that's talking about your house, your clothes, what you're clothed with, how you eat, and things like that. But those things should be byproducts. They should never be the focus. And if you get focused on on natural things, we live in a fallen world where we're going to have viruses. They're going to shut down the economy. People are going to be laid off. Businesses are failing. We live in a fallen world that is subject to problems. 
And those things fluctuate. Even for me, I'm a believer. I didn't cause this virus, and yet it's affected me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if you're looking for success in the physical realm, you have put yourself into a fallen world system that is subject to problems. Yeah. But if you measure success as knowing God, and this is what the scripture says, let him that glories in anything, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. And if that's what you're after is knowing God, you can prosper during a virus, during an economic downturn, during anything that comes your way. So if we put God first and knowing him is what we consider success, then everything else becomes incidental, uh, secondary. It, it doesn't bother you. And I guarantee you, you will prosper while everybody else is suffering. During this downturn, did you know that because we've put God first, our income has actually gone up 10%. Wow. And I haven't sent out a single letter asking for help, saying, could you help us during this time? I haven't done anything. Yeah. And yet my income is up 10%. We have set records on the number of people calling us, the amount of materials being put out. We're just we're doing better than we've ever done because we put God first and not physical, natural things. Absolutely. I agree. You know, And I know you've had times in the beginning of your ministry where you know, things were tighter and there was struggles because I've heard your story and I know there was times you had to believe God for big things, but y'all you know, like the Lord tests our heart in those times and, you know, we put him first and the Lord knows that he can trust us with, you know, increase and in finances and blessing because he knows it's not just about our ministry and lining our pockets with money, but it's about blessing, you know, people that are less fortunate. It's about increasing the kingdom, getting the gospel out all over the world, which is what your ministry is doing. And I'm grateful in this time as well. You know, my wife and I, when we first got married, we were missionaries and we were living, we were living donation by donation. And there were sometimes we, we didn't have any money. We were living poverty level with a baby and a baby on the way. And then God moved us to Dallas supernaturally. He spoke to us, confirmed it in a lot of ways. And God got me doing, you know, get involved in business with some friends of mine while doing ministry. And I felt God on it. He breathed on it and he's enabled us to prosper and be blessed in this time, even during the COVID crisis, and we've been able to get my, you know, our friends involved that were in ministry to see them, you know, thrive and succeed in this time to be blessed and have all their bills paid. And it's God, you know, it's the Lord doing all of this. And so I'm, I'm so grateful. And there's so many people right now that are struggling. They're, they're, they're wanting the favor of God in their life. They're wanting the promotion. They need a new job. There's, there's struggling. You know, they lost the job, etc. And you know, I think this book came out at the perfect time because. You know, it's bringing us back to the heart of it. It's bringing us back to intimacy with God, a heart of humility, so we can truly receive the eternal and natural riches that God wants to pour out. So, Michael, you and I both have given testimony about how God has blessed us because we've humbled ourselves, put God first. And that Mm -hmm. verse that I started with, God resists the proud, but give it grace unto the humble. We've been focusing on humbling yourself so you can get more grace. But the Mm -hmm. first part of that says he resists the proud. Yeah. If you are operating in pride, which could be defined as self-sufficiency, doing things yourself instead of casting your care about it over on the Lord. Matter of fact, over in First Peter chapter 5, it's the exact same thing that says, and the next verse that follows says, uh, casting all of your care upon the Lord because he cares for you. Yeah. So if people are worried and taking care, that's actually pride. <laughs> and when you're like that, God resists you. It's not that he's against you, but his kingdom functions 
on humility. And when a person is in pride, you not only aren't getting the more grace, but you are actually getting resistance from God. And that's not a good place to be. No, absolutely not. I agree. And I don't think a lot of people really shine the light on this subject enough in the body of Christ. That's why I'm grateful you wrote about it and people can get their hands on it. But what would you say? Because we're in a, you know, I'll kind of end with this. We're in a, we're in a turbulent time right now and the church is going through a lot of changes, Andrew, and people are doing a lot more stuff online. It's, you know, people are still gathering, but it looks so different. And because, you know, the hate that's in the world, the racism that's been coming up and the elections and everything, what would you say we need as believers now more than ever? What do we need to, to rise up and to truly shine you know, in this in this dark time, what would you encourage listeners right now that we really need to grasp hold of? I would quote Psalms chapter 36, verse 1, that says, The transgression of the wicked says within my heart there is no fear of God before their eyes. Mm-hmm. The reason we are in the mess we're in is because people do not fear God. They don't reverence God. They are living their own life, promoting themselves. And when you humble yourself, like we're talking about, if people were humble, they wouldn't be going and burning buildings and causing riots and yelling terrible insults at people. It's people that are just totally into themselves. They are all full of themselves, wrapped up in their self, and that makes a very small package. That's the problem. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so for those for those who are listening to the podcast right now, I, I highly recommend to grab a hold of more grace and more favor. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We need to cling to the word of God and choose to live according to God's system and not the world system so we could truly thrive and experience supernatural blessing and promotion and not strive for these things and try to muster them up in our own flesh. And so, Andrew, I, I thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insight and the revelation God's given you. How could people connect to your ministry? I know you got tons of teaching and tons of books and materials and you have a TV ministry as well. Tell us about that. We actually have 200,000 hours of free teaching on our website. Wow. If you listen 24 hours a day uh, to all of that, it'd take you 22 years to get through it. If you <laughs> listen eight hours a day, it'll take you 68 years to get through it. And our website is awmi.net. And uh, you, all of that is free materials on there. And then also they could call 719 635 one 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 and we have our phone center open 24 hours a day five days a week and they can get any of my product or prayer or any way that we can help them through that absolutely well thank you so much for taking time i know you're in the middle of a conference you got a lot going on and so i am truly honored to speak to you and to and to learn from you today andrew thank you well, thank you, Michael. Appreciate what you're doing, too. God bless you. You too. For those who are listening right now, make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We can get it out to more people so they can be challenged, blessed, and inspired by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward to speaking with you next time on Awaken Podcast. Awaken Podcast.